Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Craig, you are scary good at being Trump. Welcome to episode 56 of There Is No Offseason, a podcast from Baseball Prospectus focusing solely on Fantasy Keeper and Dynasty League formats. I am your host, Ben Carsley. Uh, you can find me on BP Boston and at Baseball Prospectus and on Twitter at Ben Carsley. And I believe I should be the next host of this podcast because I promise to keep us safe and I'm going to make Tino great again. Brett? My name is Brett Sayer. You can find me at BaseballProspectus.com and TheDynastyGuru.com uh, on Twitter at DynastyGuru. I think I should be the next host of Tino because I have a great relationship with Vladimir Putin and we together shared a bottle of Yellowtail uh, about a week ago, um, but I made him pay. Matt? <laughs> You're going to make me follow that. All right. My name is Mauricio Rubio. You can find me at uh, Baseball Prospectus, and you can also find me at BP Wrigleyville. You can find me on Twitter at MRubio52. I should be the next Tino host uh, because tonight is Mexican Independence Day, and I am currently drinking a lot of Moleto and laughing at white people talking on the TV. Craig? <laughs> my name is Craig Goldstein. I concur with, with uh, my associate, Ben, that uh, families are for suckers. You can find me at Baseball Prospectus, the dynasty guru and uh, Fox Sports MLB. I would also like to point out that Brett shouldn't even be here. He's fourth when it comes into uh, hosting duties. He's never done it. I don't even know why he's here. I promise to make Tino great again, and I promise to do it by building a wall around Mauricio. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at CD Goldstein. That's CD as in Courageous Debater Goldstein. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, I'm going to try to keep this fair tonight. I want to give everyone equal time. Uh, Craig, as the leading poller, you are going to get our first Reader L of the Week. But if you directly address Mauricio or Brett, they will have a chance to counter before we move on. That being said, please let me drive. Uh, So our first Reader email of the Week is from Kyle. Kyle asks a really good question that I think a lot of the American people want to know. Why is this segment called Reader Emails? Are we not listeners? So, Craig, you can debate that. But first, I want to get to the real question here. Kyle says he's made several win-now moves this year, and he's in a championship of his head-to-head dynasty league. Among these deals was trading Yon Moncada for Johnny Cueto. Cueto's implosion has landed Kyle on his bench when he needs him most. He sees Moncada's sparkle in his eyes, and he hates himself when he goes to sleep. This is a story that resonates with a lot of the middle class right now. Can you hold Kyle close and tell him he's okay, Craig? I can't tell him he's okay. Johnny Cueto is out there. Yon Moncada is out there. 
I can't protect him. He made these decisions on his own. And I'd like to go back for a minute to the reader email, listener email thing, and just say that, again, is also not my problem. That's up for the re readers and or listeners to decide. That's, that's not for me to decide. Uh, but, you know, the reality here is that Yomankata might be the best prospect in the game by the time that we come out with rankings uh, next year. I mean, probably not fantasy prospect, but overall prospect. I think he has that type of ability. And, I, you know, I do think some people are being irresponsible with the way that they're throwing around comparisons here and there. They're saying Mike Trout. I think, you know, who's Mike Trout? Nobody, only the one Mike Trout. But the reality is that Johnny Cueto is a talented pitcher, and I don't think you're going to regret having him. Brett, do you care to respond? Yeah, I care to respond. I, I get I, I get making the trade. It's, uh, it, you know, Cueto was, I, I traded for Cueto in a, uh, in a league about five weeks ago and I've, I've hated myself most of the time since. And, you know, sometimes Along that just Along with the rest happens. of America, by the way. Yeah. Well, rest of America and, you know, I, I will not finish that sentence, but, um, Mankata, I think is, I, I think we, 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 we warned against people rushing to get too down on Moncada based on how he started off the year. And I am going to take kind of the opposite approach and warn people not to get too crazy excited about Moncada the way he finished the year. Um, he was, he's, he's way too talented to be in, uh, to be in able. Um, I think he is clearly going to be a top 10 fantasy prospect at the end of the year. I, I think it's, Certainly possible that he could be top five, um, but I think that uh, I, I think that people may go a little a little overboard with him during the during the off season. I think Johnny Cueto will probably be fine. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> you have to kind of you have to kind of quantify that a little bit. Uh, but no, you, you kind of don't. Cueto has a really long track record of success, and plenty of people go to the American League and and struggle a little bit at first. And uh, I don't really buy into this being a death knell for his future value or anything. I feel I still think he's going to be a you know top fifteen starting pitcher uh, when we when we rank guys in the off season, at least for me. And uh, I think while. Uh, there may come a day where this trade hurts. I don't think that happens in the next year or two. Um, you know, I'd just like to jump in for a second and say I think it's already happened. It's already hurting him. I don't know how you could ignore something like that. All right. Thank you, Craig. Mauricio, we're going to give you the table now. Uh, uh, oh. Talk a little bit about not this problem specifically. Talk a little bit about this whole theory. This is a debate we've had for a long time. You know, just because this move didn't work out, does this mean the entire concept behind it is bad? Well, you have to you have to go back and think about what America wanted. You know, when 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 the trade happened, right? America wanted uh, Cueto in front of a great defense, and that's what that's what America got. America got Cueto in front of the Royals' defense, which has been, you know, remarkable all season long. Now, is it America's fault that Cueto has underperformed uh, despite having a tremendous defense behind him? No, it's not America's fault. So, I mean, I, I think that you can certainly look at the end result, and, and America should be unhappy with what has happened. But uh, I, I think that when you go back to the uh, thought process behind the trade and when you evaluate what, what America thought Cueto was going to do in front of the Royals' defense uh, and, and kind of balance that out against what, what you think Moncada is going to project out to be, uh, I, I can't really fault the thought process all that much. Certainly the results are not great, 
but I, I think that America's thought process was not uh, was not was not incorrect. And I think that if you're going to really if you're going to uh, criticize America's thought process, then I have to uh, I have to question your patriotism. All right, that's fair. I'm going to do something that's a little unusual for a moderator here, but I, I want to get something out in the open. Uh, the next reader email is from Jeff, and Jeff calls in into view one of my last interviews, and he says, "Can you tell me what the hell happened to Garen Gazzini this year?" He was the only real prospect I took in the listener league draft. I was expecting a fairly safe, if unexciting, high-contact guy who would be good for OBP and extra base hits with low strikeout homer and steal totals. Now he's apparently been passed on the Sox minor league depth chart by a 13-year-old from Braintree who wandered onto the field looking for the funnel cake stand. I'm in the playoffs, and I have a solid, mostly under-30 MLB roster, but my farm is a barren wasteland if Cheney's prospect star is really burnt out. Seriously, after that, it's Tyrone Taylor, Aaron Blair... In gray for Andrade, is there still hope, or should I cue the Enya and say a tearful goodbye, Jeff? So it sounds like Jeff needs a bailout, and I think I'm partially to blame for that, because I've been on the Sacchini bandwagon forever, clearly. Last year, when he had a down year, I was very vocal about my belief that he would be the person I, I you know, saw and scouted all throughout the minor leagues. This was indeed based on experience, which, by the way, is not something that every other candidate on this podcast has. I was there watching Sacchini in person. Uh, but it fell apart. Obviously, it didn't work out in AAA this year. Uh, he's hit terribly worst season of his professional career by a fairly substantial margin. And when you add that on to the middle of his 2014 campaign, in which he also wasn't that great, it's really hard to see anything but sort of a quad A player, maybe someone who can survive on a second division bench for many years. Uh, I just missed it. I thought that the contact rates would stay stable because I really liked the bat-to-ball ability. I never thought he'd have big power. I never thought he'd steal anything. Like, you know, I know he stole a ton of bases when he, in 2013 when he was in the low minors. I was very vocal about that not being real, but I did believe in the bat, and now I don't so much anymore. Uh, America loves a comeback story. Sacchini is only 24. There is plenty of time, but uh, while I think he still potentially has an MLB future, I don't really think he has much of a future in fantasy leagues. And all I would say is that you can't win them all, but, uh, you know, I have the bravery and I have the fortitude to stand up here in front of you, the Tino listeners, and tell you that I was wrong. And that's not something that I think any other candidate on this podcast has ever done. I just said that on Twitter like 12 hours ago. Fuck. Does anyone else have Cheney thoughts before we move on? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it was someone we couldn't trust from the get-go because we can't even figure out how to say his last name. It probably should be Dakini, oh, you know, wow. but for the love of wow. God, this person, I don't know why we would ever put trust in someone like this is all I'm trying to say. And I don't know what this guy's trying to do when he's sending in emails to you. You know, I'm trying to be friendly to you as a moderator here, but what is a Greifer Andrade? What, what is that? Who's, who, who's, who's working with that? That's ridiculous. Sounds like a Dungeons and Dragons character. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's exactly what America needs less of. We're trying to get out there and prove our strength, not be nerds in a, in a thing, you know, dr- dropping dice and, and declaring war on elves. No, God we're, we're, we're going to be nerds by, uh, we're not going to be nerds. Instead, we are going to draft uh, 19 year olds for our fake baseball teams, which is what oh. America wants. All right. And thank you very one. much. All right, it's time. We need to give Brett some more airtime here. Brett, you've been described as by Rodolando as perhaps the most moderate of our Tino hosts. Uh, what do you say about Sacchini? Was this avoidable, or is this just a case of you know the the trials and travails that come with being in the upper minors, cutting someone off at the knees? Yeah, I think it's uh, 
you know the the skill the skills were were there and um obviously the performance didn't match but i think i think the process was i think the process was sound in this one i think i think it was reasonable for us to expect Chikini to be a a low end fantasy option a somewhat safe low end fantasy option and uh, he's really just kind of cratered, and that some that just sometimes happens in the uh, in the developmental process. Really, not uh, not a whole lot you can do about that as a fantasy owner. All right, Brett, I'm going to stick with you because you are indeed second in the polls, and I don't think you've got enough time yet. Uh, so I'm going to start you off with our third reader email, which is from Jack. Jack says, "Gentlemen, when looking forward, how do you value what kind of depth you want to hold on to?" My team isn't very good, and I feel obligated to take the best performers I can get, especially since I am looking at backup outfielders. Melky Cabrera has brought me joy in the past, but Ender Inciarte seems to be the same thing but younger and about 30 pounds lighter. Should I stick with the proven guy or take Inciarte, who checks the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately box? Thank you for your help. If this question is dumb in the future, you can just reply to me with this gif. I know it's supposed to be gif, but that's just not how I was raised. Uh, so that is Jeff, Jack's, sorry, Jeff, Jack's question. Uh, Brett, I'm going to let you take this off. Please ignore the character insults here in terms of the weight disparity. We don't need any of that. We're, you know, we're not in kindergarten anymore, but just address the underlying problem here. I don't, I don't know how we can avoid it, really. Um, I, think, I, I think the, the comment that uh, Melky has 30 pounds on, on Inciarte is, uh, is a, a slight, uh, oh, a slight underestimate. <laughs> Um, I, I think that's probably closer to sixty or seventy pounds. Um, but uh, that that aside, I, I think Inciarte is it, it's a different it's a different um, you know sort of balance of of home runs and steals. But you know he's really kind of taken the place of what Gerard Opara was a couple of years back as a guy who you know, won't play 150 games, won't do anything all that well, but provides a a solid baseline of stats in deeper leagues. And I think it's I, I think it's investable in a deep league. I think the you know this the speed is relatively consistent. I mean he's had did nineteen steals last year, eighteen steals this year, probably you know, probably gets to twenty by the end of the year. He doesn't strike out very much, which is conducive to hitting for a high average, which he has this year. Um I, I think he's you know he's never really going to hit for power, but you know if he if he hit for power he'd be you know an outfield two, <laughs> so uh, so don't uh, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth, but you know as as a guy who's a fourth or fifth outfielder in a deep mixed league, uh, I I'm I'm buying it, um, Craig. All right, I'm going to give this to Craig as someone else who has you know sort of struggled with the weight issue on a uh, national scale here, you know correlating. You know, does how big you are make you unfit to lead? Can you respond to Brett's questions here? You know, I, I would just like to say that I think in a lot of ways, bigger is better. I'm not afraid to be what I am, and it's gotten me where I am today, which is leading the polls here. Is That's all I'm trying to say here. You know, I think, you know, between these two guys, I'm going to take a guy like Melky Cabrera. He's been there. He's done it before. You know, he had he has had he's been a solid player over the middle months of the season. He's had a bad start, a bad end, and that's going to leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth. That's completely understandable. I'm not asking you not to not to I'm not asking you to like it. No one's going to like it because we like winners here in America and this has been a loser of a season, okay? But 
what I'm asking you to do is not become a hater. Ender Inciarte really isn't much of anything. And he's not going to get any playing time in the Arizona outfield. Not to mention, look, I don't want to get too – I know this is politics, but I don't want to get too far into it. But God only knows what happens in Arizona. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, Mal, I, I think you can attest to that especially. Uh, some weird things happen in uh, in Arizona, uh, especially involving rental cars. Uh, when when uh, when you throw spring training into the mix, and uh, I, I just I, I don't want to comment further on on that at all. So uh, we'll we'll just leave it at that. It's probably uh, best that you don't. Right, I, I think it would be incriminating for uh, all parties involved. So I, I think that when you're talking about Ender Enciarte, who is um, just uh, you know, if you're thinking about adding Ender Enciarte, you already have a loser's mentality because you're you're just kind of hoping for safe. Whereas if you're uh, if you're going for Melky, you know, there's there's a little bit of upside there. I, I don't think he's uh, he's I think the final stat line is not going to be as uh, indicative for what he can provide uh, moving forward as uh, as I think that we would all like to be. So uh, right. if you'll excuse me, I'm going to take a water break uh, because I am a Rubio, so uh, <laughs> I will be ready. All right. Uh, well, Mal, we're actually going to stay with you as we end the first block here. Fuck. You know, okay. I think we're at the point where all of our track records are known. You know, we've, we've sort of gotten all our feelings about like the key stances out there. What people want to know now is more about our personalities. So the last question of the reader emails we have goes to you. This is an anonymous reader email, and it asks, We all know the four tastes are salty, sweet, sour, and bitter. We also know that there are four members of Tino. Which member of Tino is which taste? Mal, go off. Well, I think salty is very easy. That's, uh, that's Craig. Uh, you know, as, as much as I, I, I love you, Craig, I really I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I think it's a good thing. But right. go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. It's your floor here. I, I think I think Craig is definitely salty. I am bitter, uh, ma- mainly because of uh, having to deal with Cubs Twitter on a daily basis. That has just made me very bitter. Uh, ben, the, the the decision becomes very difficult. But uh, you know, I want to be host to make the difficult decisions. I am going to assign Ben sour, and uh, I'm going to assign Brett sweet, uh, strictly because uh, Brett has children and Ben does not. So, and I think that America values the family. And I think uh, not having children uh, precludes you from being sweet, Ben. So, All right, uh, Brett, you were called out uh, specifically in that answer, so I'm going to give you a chance to address. Do you agree with that breakdown, or would you change anything? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I, am, I, am, I agree with my fellow candidate here. I'm, 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 I'm very good. All right. Well, that's a good cap to uh, block one. And, you know, gentlemen, thank well, you for— Well, excuse me. Am I not going to get a, a Craig, chance you've had to enough time. Uh, Craig, Craig, Craig. Thank you. You've had enough time. We're going to go to break now. I'd just like to say that this was very civil, and, you know, we may have our disagreements, but we all have to agree that Enya's America must end. Welcome back to episode 56 of Tino. If you didn't watch any of the Republican debate, I can only imagine how much that first section must have thrown you for a loop. The only solace you can take is that I promise that's how we felt watching it. Uh, So now we're going to sort of slide back into a more normal gear and continue the series that we left off last Tino, where we are going position by position, basically discussing guys who have seen massive swings in value one way or another this year. Asking if we think they're for real, if they're better. Asking if we think they can rebound, if they've been bad. 
just trying to get a lay of the land for, you know, if you should be trying to trade for them now, how you should be valuing them headed into the offseason, and so on and so forth. So we did catcher and first base last episode. We are going to do second base and third base this episode, and we'll see how the time goes. Maybe we will get to shortstop as well. But after looking at all the names the four of us brainstormed on, the first guy we should talk about for second base is someone who I find to be very difficult to evaluate from a fantasy point of view, and that is D. Gordon. D. Gordon is hitting 331, 357, 414 with 51 steals and 75 runs. He is currently the top fantasy second baseman. He is currently the top fantasy middle infielder. And while Jose Altuve is fairly close to him, no one else is particularly close to those two. I don't think anyone on this podcast has been super high on Gordon before. Brett, I will flip it out to you. Is it time for us to change our minds? To an extent, yes. Um, I think that I, I still do not think this this batting average is is um, is repeatable. I think, uh, but you know the, the I think the the bar for what should be expected next year has gone up because of what he's done this year. Um, you know he's he just he 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 puts the ball in play runs fast and he is making harder contact than i thought he was going to at the major league level um i i think at this point he's pretty clearly a top 3 second baseman um and though i do not think i would put him at number 1 i think uh i think he's yeah, it's it's hard not to call him a top, you know, twenty to twenty five player, a twenty five top twenty five player at this point. I you know with with speed down across across the league in general, um, you know the only other guy who's going to get to fifty steals this year is Billy Hamilton, and we know what the rest of his numbers look like. So it's it's kind of a big fucking deal. Um, Craig, what about you? Yeah, I think that's right. I I still I mean we've talked about my struggles with valuing guys who are who generate the the large largest portion of their value from speed, but I do think at this point, you know, the the value shift is substantial and that most of that is probably going to be expected to be retained. Um even if the average isn't 331, I, you know, he's hit over 300 Every single month but July when he hit 208. So he he can really hit. And as long as he kind of maintains his strength, I think, you know, I watched him a lot last year as a Dodger. And he was really good uh, until he, you know, the latter half of the season, I think, just wore him down. Uh, I think you could argue he was better prepared for that. And that's why it's carrying through most of the season uh, th- this year. Um, but that's more anecdotal than it is anything that we can really draw a conclusion from in one season sample size. Um, you know, I think it's he's he's a guy that is, I think if at this point, again, I, I wouldn't put him first overall at second, but I think you can... I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the most valuable second baseman at the end of next season either, if if that makes sense, Ben. Yeah, so I think, and Craig, you and I discussed this a little bit when we uh, posted a Dynasty Dynamics sort of taking the top five prospective fantasy second baseman and, and discussing their merits and demerits. 
the, I think what I've settled on with Gordon is that he's high risk, but you, but I mean, he's high reward, obviously, but you have to be willing that the average might fall. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if you can stomach the idea of taking Gordon and maybe he only hits you with a 260 average and you feel like your team is well equipped to handle that, fine. Uh, the Steelers are going to be there no matter what. Obviously, he'll have less opportunity to run if he doesn't get on base as much, but at the end of the day, he's going to pr- provide enormous value in steals, and he's not going to provide average any any value in homers or RBI. So, but, but the the upside is that if he does hit for average, and even if it's three hundred and not three thirty two, he barely walks. So that's actually you're getting like a ton of three hundred batting average when you get right. him. Right, very true. Yeah, this was this was the Altuve argument from last year, right? This, this was why Altuve the, when 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 Mike did his valuations, this is part of the reason why Altuve was so valuable. Is that bat, that batting average? It's it's Ichiro syndrome. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think you just have to be pre- if you're prepared for the possibility that Gordon might look more like a good middle infielder. Fine, but you but it's hard to deny that at this point the upside is the best overall fantasy second baseman i wouldn't put money on that happening but it, it, it wouldn't surprise me anymore it can't surprise us anymore now no yeah i mean i i would just like to tack on to craig's point about the profile i, I think that this this player profile is always going to be a little bit problematic when you're talking about um, basically a two-tool player um, and someone who's going to be able to provide to provide some value in run score depending on what the team looks like behind him um, but yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would agree with the consensus that uh, you have to change your tabulation when it comes to D Gordon a little bit because, you know, this is two years of him doing this now, and uh, it's just it's really hard to argue with the results that he's produced. And um, you know, again, to to follow up on Craig's point, if he's a two eighty or three hundred hitter, like it's that that's still a lot of value there you're getting out of him via the stolen bases and uh, just a ton of hits. So. Okay, uh, so I'm going to move us on to someone that Craig and I got ripped apart for not including in our discussion of potential top dynasty second baseman, and that is Rugi, uh, Rugi Odor, who had a horrendous start to the year, went down to the minors, and has been in Fuego ever since. He has raised his line to 273, 330, 474 in just about 400 plate appearances. 13 homers, 5 steals, pretty solid run and RBI totals. And as everyone is quick to point out, the dude is still only 21 years old. Craig, I know you sort of got into it in the comments with people. Uh, where is Rugi Odor for you in terms of, is he a top, I'm sure he's a top 10 dynasty second baseman now, but, but where, where does he lie in that spectrum for you? Yeah, that's, that's tough and it's something that I haven't really delved into in terms of ranking second baseman overall at this point beyond kind of what we did. I think he's right on the fringe and, and in the comments of that article, I, you know, I would admit, I think it's, I think if you want to include him in that discussion of top overall second baseman, I think, I think that's okay, especially based on his production since being recalled, which is, it's just kind of, it's incredible that he was one of the worst major leaguers in baseball until he got sent down since his recall, he's at 316, 357, 554. And that's over just under 300 plate appearances. So that's, that's a big deal. Um, I think the reason I would struggle to put him in that, that overall conversation is he doesn't steal bases or he doesn't steal them well. He's five of 11 this year. And when you're 
I mean, obviously on pure volume, volume, he can get you a decent number, but I think unless he was going to steal, I don't know, 15 plus, I, I don't expect he's hit 13 home runs this year. I wouldn't expect a sizable jump. I mean, he's pretty much maxed out physically. So while he is young, I'm not sure I see like a huge jump in power coming. Um, he can obviously hit, you know, he can, he can have a, 500 slugging percentage over 300 plate appearances. So it's not that he's without power, but I, I wouldn't necessarily expect him to make, you know, gains in that, in that category, like you would necessarily project for other prospects, someone like possibly a Carlos Correa or someone like that. Right. So that, that's perfect. Cause that was going to be my next point As I think people see Ruggie's age and they think, well, if he's this good now, he's going to be, you know, this good, times whatever number you figure in three years. Mao, talk a little bit about why that's not necessarily the case, or if you think it is the case with Odor, correct me. Well, I, I think that when you look at certain players' uh, abilities and skill sets and what they're bringing to the table, certain things are going to be certain things are going to improve as, as they age, like uh, and certain things are just, you know, once you see the production out of the box, there's just not a whole lot of proje- uh, projection left there, and that's just kind of who they are. I, I think that Odor, in, his, in the second half and what he's produced uh, since the call-up, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of production. I, I think it might be a little bit of heavy production, but I think that's about what you can expect, and I don't think there's going to be a hell of a lot of improvement off of what he's done in the second half, uh, primarily because what he's done in the second half has just been so damn impressive, but... Uh, also because that's just kind of what the skill set was hinted at when he was a prospect. And uh, every once in a while, uh, when you're evaluating a prospect in the lower minors and you shoot, uh, you shoot a projection on someone, uh, they can hit that pretty quick. And uh, when, when they hit it, I, I think you know something that you were talking to, Ben, uh, something you were alluding to is that people have a, have a tendency to just kind of be like, well, if he's, if he's got 15 home runs, then in five years he should be hitting like 30 home runs. And you know, sometimes that just that, that just doesn't come around because it's not within the the, the player's profile to produce that. So, um, you know, I mean, Odor's second half has been tremendous, but uh, I, I think that's what you can expect in terms of like a, a ceiling. Uh, again, primarily because he's just been damn impressive, but uh, also because that's just kind of what the profile was was hinting at. Right. Logan Forsythe is hitting two eighty five. With 16 homers, 9 steals, 60 RBI, and 65 runs. He's the ninth best fantasy second baseman this year. Will Rugi Odor be a top 10 fantasy second baseman next year? Yes. How high uh, would you go in the top 10? I'd say 7. 7 was, or 8. Was that a useless question? No. Yeah. I th- the, the question with Odor is, is this. I think we all agree that there's really not a next level from what he's doing now. But, um, and I'm curious to ask, ask you guys this because I, I, I have my thoughts on this. Um, he's obviously been hitting for, for a great average since he's, since he's come back up. But he's hit for the, – the power I think has been more unexpected than, um, than the, the average at least from where he was as a prospect. Do you guys think that the average is at this level is more sustainable than the power at this level right now? You know, it, it's it's an irresponsible average at this point, but I would bet on the average sticking around more than I would the power. Yeah. Um, yeah. Craig, I. I mean, if if you're talking about this run since June fifteenth, I don't think he's a three. I don't think he's a 
team three thirty guy. Well, let me let me re, let me rephrase. Do you think okay. there is a over the course of the next two or three years? What do you think is more likely? He hits above three hundred for a full season, or he hits above twenty home runs for a full season? I would. I so the thing is, I was gonna answer that. I think the. Let me answer by not answering. Um, <laughs> he's hitting on on the season right now two seventy three three thirty four seventy four. And honestly, I think that's about right. Um, it's just come at with two very different like sides of the spectrum in terms of performance. I, I don't think a 460 or 470, maybe 480 slugging is out of the question for him. I, I, he, can, he can really hit. Um, and I, I think he can wear out the gaps, and I think he's got a little pop. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I guess on the off chance, I just think it's more likely he hits 300 than it is 20 homers. But I don't. I think the slugging is for real. I guess it's I just not necessarily going to be home runs. I totally agree with that. Honestly, yeah, I, that yeah, I I think that's a very good point. And you know, he's a guy who I think is going to rack up a lot of extra base hits, and that's part of the reason why I think Odor is particularly attractive in points leagues which is you know he's he's one of those guys where he could hit 12 home runs in a season and still have a similar slugging percentage to a guy that hits 25 home runs yeah and let me i i would like i hope i'm wrong i hope he's a you know because i i i love the guy and i hope he's a 20 homer hitter i just i think he's more likely in the 15 range and I think he could do a reasonable like w- what Jason Kipnis is doing or what he he has done. I don't think that's unreasonable. You know, he was a guy who would hit fourteen or seventeen home runs and have a high slugging percentage and steal some bags and and hit pretty well. You know, um, I think he can be that type of guy. Okay. Right. Any any other Odor thoughts before I move us on? That's a hell of a family they got going on. Right there, the odors. That's true. All right, solid follow up. Uh, I will move us on now to Tr- Devon Travis, who I, I've I've gotten into plenty of arguments about this season, but I'll, I'll kick it out to someone else first. Three hundred four, three sixty one, four ninety eight, but only in two hundred and forty plate appearances. Uh, he's been out forever now with a shoulder injury. He was recently transferred to the 60-day DL. Uh, he spent some time in the minors. So very promising while he was in the majors, but largely derailed by injury. That being said, still only 24 and will be uh, 25 for all of next season. So there's certainly reason for optimism here, especially in that ballpark and in that lineup. Uh, the eight homers were a bit of a surprise to me, I will say. Also had three steals in his time. Uh, Mal, I don't think we've started with you yet. Do you think Travis is someone who can profile as a top 12 second baseman with regularity? Top 12 with regularity. I think he can. Uh, the eight home runs were a surprise to me as well. I, I feel like those all happened within the first week of his, of his, of his year, though, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I don't see a 500 slugging percentage coming around for the guy again. Uh, I do think he can hit a little bit. I, I think that second base is such that uh, you know a top twelve 
uh, ranking for him isn't irresponsible. Uh, I certainly feel like he's going to be in the back half of the top 12, but, uh, you know, I think this is a player who can, you know, he can produce with the average a little bit, and uh, he, he's probably going to be more of a doubles hitter than he is a home run guy. But, uh, you know, that, that, I, I kind of like him a little bit. Craig? Yeah, I'm more comfortable in the top 15. Um, I'm not as comfortable in the top 12. I don't think the power is for real. I think a, a mitigating factor is what you talked about, the that lineup. Um, if he's, you know, even if he's kind of a 330, 340 on-base guy, um, you know, Gibbons isn't, uh, is actually a pretty good manager when it comes to, to creating a lineup. He's willing to do some different things like bat too low leadoff. Um, so he's not necessarily the, the Ron Garden hire, the second baseman hits second guy. Um, but I do think it would be tempting to put a guy like Travis atop the lineup in that two hole. Uh, he makes a good bit of contact so he can, you know, he, he's versatile in that sense. So I think he could score a lot of runs, which would obviously help him out. But as we always talk about, relying on contextual factors to make the case is is questionable at best so i'm not really yeah i just i i know that you know i know ba was high on him last year where we weren't and so i don't want to come off as closed-minded in that sense but i'm i'm not I'm not sold on the pedigree being there for him to do this type of, I mean, this this type of performance over a full season would obviously land him well above the top 12, but I I still, I still think, you know, if you expand it to top 15, I'd be a little more comfortable. Brett, do you have any uh, wildly disparate views here on Travis or are you sort of in the same vein? Nah, nah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm I'm in agreement with what's been said. Okay, I'll go. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's... I mean, I think he's going to have a career as a major league starter. I think because of contextual factors, he could be a more valuable fantasy player than I was originally willing to let on. But I sure as hell don't see him as someone who projects to hit, I don't know, what would he have been at, 22, 24 homers over a full season? And while people aren't really saying that, I think a lot of... A lot of fantasy players are looking at this line and seem, thinking Travis is someone who can flirt with 300, hit you know between 15 and 20, maybe kind of do a lot of the things we were talking about Rugi doing, and I, I don't see that for him. I know he hit well at various stops throughout the minors, but I see him as someone who's more of an empty average and not a super high average, more of a 280-ish guy. So that could change in Toronto because he might score a ton of runs, as Craig alluded to. And that park might help him get closer to the 15-homer mark than I originally thought he would. But uh, I, I'm not willing to go anywhere near top 12 dynasty second baseman for him. Oh, I said, I said for next year, so I won't throw dynasty in. But I, I'm not – I'd be hard-pressed to go top 15, never mind top 12. I'm the low just, man on Travis. Just, well, since since we didn't really address it with Odor, we, we did talk a lot about next year. But, but, you know, that discussion in our comments was about dynasty value. Brett, where – just off the top of your head, where do you have Odor for for second baseman in a dynasty? I think he's. I think he's certainly top ten. I think probably in this probably the seven to nine range. Okay. So right right in the back of the top ten. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm comfortable with him there. Okay. Uh, we will move on to the final second baseman then, and that is uh, Mao. Want to do the honors? Arismendi Alcantara. 
Thank you very much. Uh, pretty disappointing year, especially for Tino, because I know at least Craig and I were quite high on him. Brett, I don't think you hated him. Now I, I can't, I can't admit to remembering exactly your feelings. Uh, but did nothing. Did nothing all year is really. I don't have to even elaborate. Did nothing all year. Uh, and after the Cubs offseason moves, I think we weren't quite sure how this was going to, how he was going to squirrel any playing time for himself, and, and it just really didn't happen. So the good news is he's going to only be 24 for next year. Bad news is, is he wasn't good in AAA either. Uh, Craig, defend your turf. Um, I mean, I think people have have off years. I I don't know, you know what what else to say. I, there's there's not a defense of his performance. Um, he, he swings and misses a lot. I, you know, at triple A, it was at 25%. That's not especially out of line with his previous performance in the minors. It's a little, it's a little higher. Um, he still walked a decent amount. I, I think he had a really bad year and I'm not quitting on the tools. Um, I think, you know, if you want to make excuses, you can say, you know, they moved him around. They put him in center field. They put him at second base. They, they moved him around. I think that's a really good role for him overall. Um, but do I think it can mess with your approach and what your focus is on and, and how much time you're dedicated to hitting? I think it's possible. I also think those are, you know, ultimately excuse or, you know, I'd rather those be reasons and not excuses. I There are plenty of people who move around all the time and, and don't lose their focus. So, you know, on that level, I think it's just a really bad year, and I'm excited to see what he can do next year just in terms of a rebound. Because I think there's, there's opportunity to, um, you know, to buy an asset here that is probably not thought very highly of given all the, the players in front of him and, you know, see if he can turn it around. Because I think he can earn at bats even if he's not a full-time player. Um, so the, the number of names ahead of him isn't necessarily as big of a roadblock as it may seem, but you know, there's also the chance he ends up elsewhere or someone in front of him ends up elsewhere. So I don't know, Mao, do you, do you have a a different read on it? I think that uh, a lot of the issues that Alcantara had this year, uh, stem from uh, just kind of a poor approach that he carried over from uh, a lot of the Dominican winter league that he was playing, um, you know, when it, I think that a lot of the damage that he was trying to do was very pull oriented, and he got very pull happy uh, during the season and uh, kind of abandoned an opposite field approach. So a lot of the things that you didn't see from Agatara from uh, you know from his brief time in with with the big league club uh, and and down in AAA uh, is that you saw him trying to pull home runs instead of going the opposite field with like maybe just a single or whatever, and that's. Yeah, you know, something that stems from it's just an approach issue. Like the, the the tools are still present, he's still got the bad speed, and he's still got the strong wrist, and he's still got the potential for power and speed. Um, but none of that matters if you're not able to uh, utilize your hit tool to its full its full potential. And um, you know, Alcantara didn't do that this year. So do do you think that's do you think that's likely to change, or do you want to throw maybe like a percentage chance that it changes or so you know what i mean just to say like obviously i don't want to put words in your mouth for likely but you know maybe there's a 40 percent chance that he gets it together or something like that yeah i don't know if you've seen bias at all this year uh but this is the organization that has made some really marked uh, improvements in what bias has done in terms of approach uh, at the plate so 
it, it'd be foolish to sit here and completely write off Alcantara uh, as a player completely uh, in the Cubs organization uh, because they, I mean, however it is that they do it, whether it's just because they acquire the talent or that they develop the talent out or, or, or have uh, have worked with with certain talents, they, they, they do produce position players. So, um, you know, it's kind of a mixed history there, but uh, if I had to throw out a percentage chance on, on Alcantara's, uh, you know, Ability to kind of just adjust the approach. I'd probably put it at sixty percent, maybe even seventy percent. Um, you know, on a, if I was feeling good about it. So, uh, no, I, I'm not writing off Alcantara. I, I think that a lot of the things that he was having issues with stem again from from a pull happy approach. But I think that's something that you can fix a lot easier than uh, just having a, a a forty overall hit 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 tool potential. So. You know, this is this is a talented player, and I, I don't think you can write him off quite yet. I, I think that if if it comes around to be next year and he's still doing the same things, that's when you worry. But yeah. um, until then, yeah. I, I just wouldn't. All right, I want to move us on to third base and to someone who's had the polar opposite year of Alcantara, uh, and that is Miguel Sano, who is at two seventy six, three eighty nine, five sixty one, with sixteen homers and forty seven ribbies in basically half a season in the majors. And he put up a line quite similar to that in half a season in double A. This dude did not play at all in 2014, is coming off an injury, never saw triple A, and has been absolutely crushing. Obviously, we were all high on Sano. Before the year began, everyone in the universe was high on Sano. But it was kind of hard to see him being this good this soon. Uh, Brett, do we have to worry about any sort of sophomore slump with Sano? Or do you think he is a top 10 fantasy third baseman next year? Um, I think, I mean, I think you have to worry about a sophomore slump with anybody, but I, I think given the state of third base, I, I'd, I'd feel pretty comfortable with him at the back end of the, uh, at the back end of the top 10, just for 2016. Um, I think the, you know, I think the performance, I think this is his talent level. Um, and you know, we've seen, I, we, we talked about it earlier in the podcast, I mean, we, with different guys, but we've seen more and more players come up to the majors and play at their, at their expected talent level much faster than, than, uh, we're used to seeing. And, you know, Sano is definitely one of those guys. He's, you know, he's clearly even more valuable in an on-base league. He's, he, he's really got a, a good approach at the plate. And, um, you know, the power obviously is, is pretty unquestioned. I mean, that he's, you know, he, he had either the best or the second best, um, power tool in the minors over the last three, four seasons. So, you know, I think for next year, I think the 276 average is a little high unless he, unless he cuts down on the strikeouts a little bit more, but, you know, I think expecting, uh, you know, sort of a two fifty-five to sixty average with thirty-five homers. I think is I think is perfectly reasonable. I think um, you know, obviously there's obviously there's risk and obviously there's uh, downside with with a, a a younger player who hasn't quite hit the struggles yet. But you know, I'd, there's nothing particularly alarming about. To know that would make me uh, not want to invest in him compared to other uh, rookie players. Yeah, Brett, to illustrate your point about the current state of third base, uh, the 11th ranked fantasy third baseman right now is Yunel Escobar. 
And the only reason go. he's there is because of a 320 average. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a shit show. Yeah, and it, the uh, opposition is going to lose. It's pretty strong at the top, though. It's it's strong at the top, but he's that's that's who number eleventh is, and this is a right. list that's going to lose Chris Davis, Davis. Xander Bogarts, and and Alex Rodriguez, who are also in the top eight. Yeah, no, I just meant the like the top four, like when we had the third base. Oh discussion. yeah, it's very like very a... strong at the top, and that and Sano was in our honorable mention. I think right. you're going to start gaining some players as well. I, I, I do agree. I, I think it's, it's top-heavy, but I think that there's some help coming along the way. In terms of who? I think you're talking about Bryant. I think Correa eventually oh. moves over to third base, and I, I, I do. I, I just think there's going to be some help coming, kind of filling out that bottom. Also, there's always some random shortstop who moves over to third base. And you're Wait, just I'm sorry. Did you say Correa was going to move to third? Uh, I think eventually, yeah. I don't think but, next year. I mean, year when is eventually? Like, well, like probably like, like, like when Alex five Rodriguez years. moved to third. Or no, no. Well, I mean, you know, I think I think that within when you're talking about three to five years, I think yeah, that's that's something that could happen. Um, I, I moved I think to third that, my junior year. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think that's out of the realm Middle of possibility at all. Just saying, I think the comp stands. So <laughs> I don't think um, that's out of the realm of possibility at all. So um, no, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't assert it, I guess. Um, but but that that aside, I think I agree with Brett about basically everything he said, and especially the numbers he threw out for next year. But I also would just point out that, um, like he he's striking out at thirty seven percent right now. So to say like a two seventy six average shouldn't be expected is a bit of an understatement. Um, I'm anticipating, like Brett said, maybe 250, maybe 260, but I'm also anticipating that with not like cutting down on the strikeouts a little, but like a fairly substantial cut, at least to the 30% range. Is that, is, am I being unreasonable in my expectations? Am I being unreasonable in assuming he needs to cut down that much to get the average to there? I mean, we're talking about a 413 Babbitt, and I know he hits the ball really goddamn hard, but 413 is is pretty much, in terms of repeatability, no, it's impossible. Um, no one does that for the most part. Yeah, I think, I think the bigger thing is that uh, I think Sano has the the uh the approach and the yeah oh, uh, the skill with the bat to reduce the strikeout rate i wouldn't I, oh, surprised, yeah and that's I why i think he can drop it yeah yeah i wouldn't be surprised at all if he had a strikeout rate that started with a 2 next year mm-hmm. i think that's absolutely in his developmental cycle and if he does that then you know if he can reduce he could his, be 275. Yeah. He, if he could be a 25% strikeout guy, maybe not, maybe not in 2016, maybe 2017, 2018 shit. He could be a 280 hitter with, yeah. with that, with, with uh, the kind and of exit velocity he produces and all, all that. I think it's, it's, it's reasonable. Totally, I mean, he has, to, totally he has to take, he has to take that step and we need, we need to see it before we invest in it at that level. But you know, it, it's the, the, there's no doubting the skill with, with Sano and that's the thing, Agreed. right? Agreed. You're, Absolutely. You're, inve- you're investing in the skill. And that's why I wanted to say, I didn't want to mean it as a knock on him because I think he can make that adjustment. But I also think if we're anticipating a 260 average, he needs to get it down to the, to the, at least, you know, lower, th- lower 30% <laughs> strikeout range. Sure. Um, yeah. Just, just on a pure contact basis, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's 
That's it. Okay. Uh, we, I think everyone loves to know, so we're really just arguing about degrees of how good he's going to be. Uh, let's sort of move on to someone who's had the antithesis of his immediate success in Mike Moustakas, who uh, Craig and I, I know at least, left him for dead really after last year. But he was hitting 282, 345, 455, 455, excuse me. 455. Yeah, 455. We're no longer doing the Republican debate. I can't use that accent. Uh, 18 homers, 71 ribbies, 63 runs. That is good for the 13th most productive fantasy uh, third baseman in 2015. Moustakis has been around forever, it feels like, but he's still only 27, and he just turned 27. Next year is really his age 27 season. Uh, so, Mao, I will kick this out to you first. Uh, is Moustakis going to reliably be a top 15 option in Dynasty Leagues at the hot corner, or is this a mirage? I mean, I don't know. We just talked about how weak third base is. Uh, and while I do, I previously stated that I do think that some help is coming, I, I think that you can probably pretty confidently project out Moustakis to be a top 15 guy. I, I know I know the issues have been very prevalent with him uh, in the past, but uh, it appears that he's made a, some very serious adjustments uh, coming into this year. Uh, he said, I think, I, th- I don't think he hit an opposite field home run throughout his entire career, which encompassed a, a serious amount of at-bats, and uh, he's hit his fair share uh, of those uh, this year. Uh, you know, he, he was slumping a little bit in the middle of the season, but uh, he's rebounded uh, in August and September to really put up some solid numbers. Uh, I, I don't think, uh, I'm not projecting out like a top five finish for him uh, ever, but uh, I, I think that when you're talking about top 15, I, I think you can project that out. Uh, Craig, what about you? Yeah, I mean, the the most compelling point here is that after the top four, it's a shit show. Um, but the fact that he's kind of had this renaissance and is 13th doesn't really say much to me. Um, he's an absolute, like you're punting stolen bases with him as you are with a lot of third basemen, but it's, it's still a consideration uh, in terms of his overall value. I, I'm, I said some things last year and I was wrong about those things, but I, at least this year, but I'm not really convinced that I'm going to be wrong going forward um i will say you know his he's got a 290 babbit this year he's a career 267 that all seems pretty low so i'm willing to grant that you know 290 going forward isn't unreasonable despite his career precedent um i know there was a lot of talk early on about him you know going the opposite field and not hitting into the shift as much um i i don't know how much of that is his intent and how much of that is just kind of how it was working out. I mean, I I don't want to take anything away from him this year. I, he's, he's been great, you know, kind of throughout the year, except for July. Uh, But he's had, he's had really good months all the way, you know, everywhere else. I, I just, I don't, I have trouble buying into this one year given the number of plate appearances we saw him struggle for, early on. And, and as you said, he's 27. So it's not like it's, it's completely insane for that to happen. I guess I'm just wary of buying in, um, despite the prospect pedigree and all of that. I, I would need to see it again next year and I'm not willing to, I, I don't think he'll be a top 15 guy next year, but, um, I, you know, I will, I will eat grow 
if and when the time comes. I, I just want to uh, put this out there uh, because they both had a little bit of a renaissance, as it were. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm asking the entire panel here. Uh, would you rather, are you putting more faith into Moustakis or Bubba Starling? Ooh. Moustakis. Yeah, is that, that's not a serious question, right? <laughs> Can I, um... I enjoy the softballs. Moustakis. <laughs> uh, uh, Moustakis or Will Middlebrooks? Craig? Uh, I'm gonna, uh, uh, I'm gonna say Starling to be contrarian. Mustakis or Brandon Wood? Uh, yeah, I don't know because I've I've heard Andy Marte. I've heard a I've I've heard a couple. Of Joel Guzman. That's, that's Shea oh, Brand. Brad. Shea <laughs> Hillen Brand. Yeah. Oh. There you go. I feel like we're missing someone. Like an uh, obvious. Josh Ritter, uh, uh, oh, Billy oh, Billy Rowell. Billy Rowell. Oh. Wow. Oh. I need, I needed that. Um. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to our last two here. We've talked about this player a fair amount on Tino, so I don't think this needs to be a terribly lengthy breakdown. But Nick Castellanos is hitting 250, 301, 417. He does have 15 homers and 69 of the nicest RBI you will ever see uh, in 541 plate appearances. Overall, that ranks him as the 37th best fantasy third baseman. Uh, Brett, are you throwing in the towel on Casti yet, or do you think there's still hope for a really good season here? Um, I'm not throwing in the towel on, on him. I just, I think, uh, I think expectations are, uh, are, are slightly lower. If you want to play the, if you want to play the, the second half game, which is a dangerous game to play and, and some people probably will in the, in the off season, uh, if you go back to July first, since then he's hitting two sixty nine with eleven homers and forty one RBI in sixty five games, which is, you know, if you try to prorate that out, you'll probably hurt yourself. But it's pretty good. Um, you know, it, the the batting average I think has been the uh, the the biggest disappointment for me with 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 Cassianos, as as I think it probably has been with everyone. He was kind of, you know, he was. He he showed as a as a guy who could make a lot of contact, and he really has not done that at the major league level. Even when he's been playing well, he hasn't made a ton of contact. So, you know, I think I, I think this is sort of the base level. I think the best I think the best you can realistically hope for with Castellanos is sort of a two sixty twenty season, and maybe with the amount that maybe with it, where he hits in that lineup with those guys ahead of him, maybe that turns into eighty home runs. Um, but you know that's not a top ten guy even in a down position. I think, I think that kind of puts him in the fifteen ish range in a in a good year. And you know, sure you can say he's got a little bit of upside left on top of that. But I'm I'm not I'm not holding out much hope for uh, for that lingering upside to come back. Anyone else want to chime in? Um, yeah, I was just going to say I I said this in a in the comment for. Um, for Fox Sports, because uh, I have nothing left to say for Detroit, so I just talked about Nick Castellanos. Um, but from to, to shorten kind of what Brett was saying about the second half, from July 1st to August 30th, I mean, it, what I was saying was it's so tempting to quit on him, but then he does something to pull you back in. So from July 1st to August 30th, he was 272, 333, 527. And that's only two months, so... 
you don't want to overvalue it. But when you know, like when you watch him swing and it looks so pretty and you know his prospect pedigree, you're kind of like, yeah, that's not, I mean, probably not the slugging, but you know, 272 with something in the 470, 460 range, that's probably more reasonable. And that's not, you know, you're not going to hate it even if you don't love it. And it's tempting to be, you know, to be drawn into that. So I am, I want to believe, but I'm really, I'm struggling at this point. Yeah, I think, so Craig, going off of what you said, uh, I agree that that could happen, but I think that's sort of his ultimate upside. And I'm I'm not really willing to invest in it at this point. Like if he was on the waiver wire or something, fine, but I wouldn't really endorse him as a buy low candidate. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to talk now about someone I'm like 100% sure we have never spoken about on this podcast. Uh, And that is the (laughs) super dynasty relevant Danny Valencia, who's hitting 281, 326, 503 with 14 homers in the incredible Jays offense, uh, basically functioning as a platoon player. Just to give you an idea of how weak third base is, he's the 25th best third baseman, and he's probably going to finish the season with about 350 plate appearances. Mao, what is the best way to use guys like this in dynasty formats? Uh, All over the field in spots where you have a bunch of holes. Uh, So he kind of fits into that Martin Prado mold. Uh, He's certainly overperforming when compared against Martin Prado. Uh, But he's one of those guys where you you have him uh, on your team and he ends up playing all sorts of different positions for your fantasy roster. Uh, also, he was a, a twin, a Red Sox, a Royal, and an Athletic, and you never really want to bet against those guys uh, because they always turn in some sort of weird-ass surprising performance. That's not a bad point. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that when you have this guy on your team, uh, you end up using him a lot more than you think you will uh, at the beginning of the season or even when you pick him up off the free agency wire. So... Uh, this is a guy that you have to, to help plug some holes in. He's got a ton of positional flexibility. Uh, he plays all over the diamond, and this is just someone that you kind of uh, you kind of use as a utility role because uh, your guys are going to get hurt, and uh, you're going to need to plug some holes. And he will. He was going to lose first base eligibility, but he will retain third base and outfield, so he'll still be eligible at third base, corner infield, outfield, and utility for next season. Uh, Brett, any thoughts on Valencia specifically, or guys like Valencia? No. Strong. He beat, just, he, he, he beat Wade Davis in the 2010 AL Rookie of the Year voting. So he's, he's always got that going for him. Um, Here, here's the thing. He, <laughs> he has a 124 WRC plus this year. He had a 141 WRC plus last year. Uh, you know, I know that he's not really consistent and probably exposed in full time, but if you're talking about a corner infielder in a league like TDGX, I don't think it's at all unreasonable to to be even excited to have him uh, there. I, you know, there Craig, are guys. Just, uh, just to clarify, real quick, he was 141 in 2013. Oh, 13. I'm sorry. He did have a down year last year at 86. Yes, yes, correct. Uh, thank you for for correcting me. Um, but, you know, I think given the state of third base, you know, that's that's not a bad corner infielder. He's always kind of had the, the ability to hit. Um, you know, I, I definitely agree with Mao's point about, you know, former twins being weird and 
randomly good. I think that goes doubly for for Blue Jays and Royals. Um, I mean, look at what the Blue Jays did with Chris Colabello. They had both of these guys on their team this year. It's very it's very bizarre. But I I don't know. I I don't buy into a 500 slugging percentage. But he's kind of always been able to hit. And the issue is more with his bat. And if you know if we don't really care about that as long as he's going to retain that eligibility, which he is for next year. So I don't have a problem believing in Danny Valencia for, for 2016. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't jump back. I, 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 I made my, my glib point before, but the, the very first, um, the very first article I ever wrote for BP was about, um, about the opportunities there are in platooning guys with severe splits in, uh, in deeper mixed leagues and Valencia is really he's turned into sort of a, a perfect version of this. I mean, if you look at his career, his career line, he's three twenty three, three sixty eight, four ninety four against left handers in his career. And um, you know, he's just, he's one of those guys that's just always around. He's uh, he he's he's got value in in daily switch leagues. He's got value in in deep TDGX type leagues. So you know, I just. He's he's not one of those guys that I think is going to ever turn into a standard mixed league starter. Um, more more likely to repeat their success, Forsyth or Valencia. Forsyth. I'll I'll withhold Ben. It's a one one tie. Mm, Forsyth. So you're gonna withhold uh, until we're done recording, or are you gonna tell us? No, I was. Not, I'm not. I was. That was the tiebreaker. I was not gonna. I think Valencia, but okay. All right. Uh, so, sort of in the same vein, you have to pick one to build a dynasty roster. Not build, but to have on your dynasty team. Uh, do you go Valencia, Solarte, Holt, or Enya? Solarte. I'm a Holt man. Fuck Enya. Welcome back to episode 56 of Tino. As always, we are sending you out with a little housekeeping. We will have a season-ending update in terms of the hacking mass updates at the next Tino episode, which will indeed be in two weeks. So you have just a Robert to thank for that. And the uh, six or seven of you who actually played with us, hold on to your hats. That'll be an exciting update. If you're into daily fantasy sports, you are running out of time to challenge us on DraftKings. Come spend the rest of your money with us, and let's have fun before we have to wait many, many months before baseball comes back. Please rate and review us on iTunes. We look forward to them. We don't have a lot else to do. You can follow this podcast on Twitter, at Tino Podcast, and get in touch with us through email at tinopodcast at gmail.com. Find Brett on Twitter at DynastyGuru, Mauricio at MRubio52, Craig at CD, that's CD as in currently dominating the polls, Goldstein. And you can find me at Ben Carsley. Thank you for listening. May God bless America and have a good night. I'm very sorry for the haters and the losers. Oh, Do that.
I can't believe we did that for an entire email segment. Now, I think that's amazing. I can't believe we did that. I, I think that believe. was incredible. I did have an answer for that last thing, but that's what, what was your answer? I want to hear this. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna differentiate. I think I actually think you did a good job with it. I think that those were good reasons. Um, I was just gonna insult Ben, so I was really so that's why I wanted. I was gonna say that Ben had to be bitter because of his failings as a host or something like that, which is something that I obviously would not bring to the table. As you know, salt is uh, you know super tasters. Those of us who are at the forefront of taste really appreciate salt, which is why I am there. You know, I, I had an answer. Do you like Craig, you are scary good at being Trump. I got to yeah. tell you. Yeah, you're very good. <laughs> it's very, very sad. Good at being Trump. <laughs> the building the wall around me answer. Was <laughs> that, that might be the best thing I've heard on this podcast. <laughs> building a wall around and also the uh, whatever the Brett's Putin answer was. <laughs> Brett's Putin answer. I died. I had no idea. <laughs> I'm good for one of those every once in a while. Oh, man. That was incredible. I had an Enya one too, but I didn't. I wasn't able to use it. What'd you say, Greg? Brett goes. We shared a bottle of yellowtail, but uh, I made him. Pay. I made him pay. <laughs> <laughs> that was priceless. That was so good. I'm gonna grab another beer and then I, we'll play uh, section two more straight. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> oh god. I don't even know. Like, I wanna, I wanna tease what we just did because I don't know how to do it. But no one would know. It wouldn't sound great. Oh, we just have to drop it straight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Build a wall around mouthing. Still fucking getting to me. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. I, I like. I'm impressed that we did that for an entire segment. I thought it was just going to be the intros, but it just like kind of we felt. We just kept going. You, it's <laughs> a moderator voice. No, no, I did. It just worked. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.